Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 255 of Sexology Podcast. Today we're going to talk about bisexuality in men and we're going to talk about some of the misconceptions and ways that people kind of explore their journey of coming out and how you can find partners, all the great things that many of you guys are interested to learn more about. But before I tell you more about this episode, I want to invite you to download our free checklist. I created this checklist that's for all genders. It's not gender specific. And it teaches you 25 ways to increase your desire. The link for that checklist is in our show notes. And I chose the more scientifically backed ways that you can implement today in your sex life and your life to make sure that you will have the willingness and excitement to have sex. Our guest today is Zachary Zane. What's interesting that I tell tell a little bit about the story in the episode, but I learned about Zach from one of my patients. Interestingly, I have five, six men in my practice right now that they are, they identify as bisexual or they are in the process of coming out to their families as bisexual. And one of them, he told me about Zach's work and he talked about how he found it validating and informative. And I looked into Zach's material. I was like, oh, great. This is fantastic. And I want to make sure to invite Zach in our show. Next week, we're going to have another wonderful psychologist, in fact, that come talk about experience of bisexual women. This is someone that specifically works with this population. And today we're going to focus on experience of bisexual men. I just want to make sure that we are tackling different populations with different episodes because I hate it when people say like, oh, bisexual people are this way. And I feel like you can kind of break it down to different groups, subgroups as well. But I thought this is a good start. So if you continue, you want to continue to learn more about bisexual identity, make sure that you are subscribing to this show so you can check out our next episode as well. As I mentioned, our guest is Zachary Zane. Zach is a Brooklyn-based columnist, speaker, activist, and sex expert whose work focuses on sexuality, lifestyle, and culture, and many more things. He also has a monthly column at Queer Majority called Zach and the City, which explores romance and sexuality through Zan's fabulous life. He currently writes for The Washington Post, Rolling Stone, and Prevention. He contributes to all sorts of very well-known medias all over print media and also online. As a leading bisexual activist, Zane has spoken across the country at universities and panels alike, discussing issues pertaining to the bisexual community, sex positivity, and ethical non-monogamy. He previously had a bi-weekly column at bisexual.org that ran for 18 months. He attended the bisexual White House briefing at White House under Obama and has been featured as an expert as on a number of podcasts, including Savage Lovecast. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Zachary Zane. 
Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Zachary Zane on our show today. Zach, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I am looking forward to this conversation. I didn't share this with you before, but it's interesting that a significant part of my practice are bisexual men, which is very interesting that they come to a heterosexual female from a Middle Eastern background. And I learn about your work from one of my clients that he loved it. He said, like, you must check out Zach's work. Oh, I <laughs> love how that. I found you. <laughs> You're doing a great job with helping so many people. And this is such a challenging conversation. We're definitely going to go deeper on that. But I think it's wonderful that you've been open about your story. You provide education, all sorts of things. And I know you write about so many fun things like sex parties. Like I started reading about all of your column. I was like, oh, sex parties, bisexuality. (laughs) Maybe I want to talk about sex parties. But I think this is important. We haven't talked about the bisexual identity. So I think we're going to do that today. And we'll have you next time for sex parties. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Awesome. So I know you're open about your journey and, and kind of like different places you talked about it. So tell us more about how was this process of coming out for you, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. For me, it was kind of quite a journey, I think in large part because there was so little male bisexuality visibility. And, you know, I first started having like same sex attractions when I was probably five, you know what I mean? But you you suppress them down. And I clearly was very attracted to women too. But I didn't know until I came out as bi at 24, I didn't know an openly bisexual man who then didn't later identify as gay. So the only time I had heard of male bisexuality is when people are using it as a stepping stone or when it was like the butt of a joke. And I remember in college, whenever a guy would say they were bisexual, me and my friends would joke being like, so how long? until you he comes out as gay and we like literally make bets on it so i think just because there was so little visibility and so few men like openly claiming the label it made this journey very difficult for me because i did not think it was a real thing but i was definitely always a little bit more effeminate i liked musical theater i played water polo which is arguably you know the, the gayest sport it's just men and half naked men in speedos grabbing each other's junks but when i got to college i decided you know i'm going to hook up with a guy there've been gay rumors about me since i was 5 maybe they're on to something and i had to get so drunk to get to the point where i felt comfortable hooking up with him that i actually left in the middle of him blowing me i left twice to go vomit that's how drunk oh, no. i was and I remember when, like, when my lips first touched his, I thought I would have this like light bulb moment where I'd be like, oh, I'm definitely gay. I understand what love is. I understand what feelings are. This is what sexual attraction is. Or I'd have this kind of like visceral disgust response being like, nope, this is not for me. I don't like it. And when I, when I did not receive a, like this polarizing response, I was kind of like, okay, this was okay, but I was super drunk and I vomited and that wasn't fun, but like, I guess I was hard. So that's good. Like I, I got even more confused and that made it even more challenging because I thought I would have some clarity after doing it. And that was not the case, but I decided, do you know what? I, I didn't really like it. I don't think I'm gay. I don't. And again, bisexuality wasn't an option. 
But then I would get drunk and hook up with guys for five years. And I remember talking to my brother and he was like, you know, Zach, I actually experimented a little bit in college, like with one or two guys were very effeminate and I didn't like it. And, but you've been experimenting for five years. That's no longer experimentation at this point. This is a stable identity. You can't claim that. And that kind of actually shook something in me because he's one of the few guys who I knew who openly were like, hey, I experimented and actually am straight. Because a lot of people, they don't talk about that because they're so ashamed to talk about that or they assume that, you know, everyone's going to assume they're gay or bi or closeted if they hooked up with a guy once or twice. But of course, that's not the case. But so after college, I saw this LGBTQ therapist. And the fact that I went to see him kind of shows that clearly I thought something was up. And on our second session, I'm talking about how I'm confused and all the stuff. And he interrupts me and he goes, Zach, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you, you seem very clearly bisexual to me. Is there something that I'm missing? And I said, oh, that shit doesn't exist in men. And he responded, Zach, you're too smart to think that. So then kind of being told by a medical health professional, like this is indeed, indeed real. And this very clearly describes you kind of gave me, like proved to me that this was an option, that this is a valid identity and that's what I am. And then kind of from that, I don't want to say I went like zero to a hundred very quickly, but it's almost like I was at this precipice, just right, right above the water. Like I needed that pushing point and to do that. And then once that happened, I was like, oh, I can be by then I was able to really start embracing my sexuality over the next, you know, couple of years. Such an interesting journey. And I, th- I think it's amazing that you've been talking about your experience, because I think the part that's really challenging for my clients is the visibility piece right? They don't hear about other men that they're bisexual and they're not using it, as you mentioned, for a stepping stone. And it's interesting that although for women at times, it can be also challenging to come out as a sexual minority, but there is a significantly less stigma around that. Like my clients, they're telling me that, okay, we're like everyone think, okay, oh, bisexual woman, hot. Bisexual men, then that there are so, so many misconceptions and misinformation around that. So I think visibility piece is, is huge. So I'm kind of curious, did you experience backlash when you, when you talked about your identity back then initially? Uh, yes. I, I was very lucky to have a support a family and that and that was really great and I, I was still so nervous coming out to my family when they are supportive you know I have gay uncles on both sides of my family I'm a grew up a Jewish liberal in Los Angeles like you, you really couldn't ask for more supporting but I was still mortified I think I got a lot of it in terms of like dating was the main thing where um like cis uh, like heterosexual woman did not want to date me like at mm. all like like zero desire at all and if I would say I was by they wouldn't go on a second date even if the first date went super well they were always freaked out or they're afraid that I was going to leave them for a man or I was secretly gay and then you know I got a lot of antagonism from gay men who really wanted me to like justify my bisexuality and gay men can be really fucking annoying with this shit. Am I allowed to curse? Is, yes, uh, please. It's the right episode for it. <laughs> it it's like, like it, it, they'll be like, oh, honey. First, often very condescending. They'll be like, oh, honey, I was bi too. You'll get there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, just because you use bisexuality as a stepping stone doesn't mean that I am. And mm-hmm. it's very like arrogant and narcissistic and myopic and small-minded to assume that everyone else's sexual journey must exactly mirror yours. 
And so they often ask me to pull up like a resume of my site. Okay, when's the last time you slept with a girl? When's the last time you slept with a guy? How often do you watch gay porn? How often do you watch straight porn? Have you ever loved? I'm like, A, I don't want to talk about myself to you. I don't, I, I like, I just, I'm here at a fucking bar and I'm trying to chill and live my life. And now you're interrogating me. Not only you're interrogating me, like, like these gay men, they often have like this sense of like, they want to like prove you wrong. That's their whole point. So they're looking for like holes in your story to be like, gotcha, see, you're not bisexual and you are gay and they get this like glee and enjoyment out of that i'm like why does this bring you joy like like Mm -hmm. that's so fucking weird but now you know i i was in college a a decent number of years ago we can just say that invisibility has gone up exponentially and now it's like people in the lgbtq community like gay men like they know enough to not say anything out loud they know they can't openly be antagonistic because they'll get called out so instead what happens is i end up with just people being like behind my back being like oh zach's Zach's just gay or whatever it is so now they they know they can't say it to my face but that doesn't mean that they've actually changed their beliefs there was a study that just came out like three weeks ago that showed that the majority of gay men and gay women do not believe that male bisexuality is real. And they do. um, This happened like a couple weeks ago. So it's coming from within, that's just within our own community, right? The LGBTQ community. And of course, straight people, Oddly enough, straight people are, seem to be like straight guys are like that's chill. <laughs> like, because honestly, it has nothing to do with them. They don't fucking care. You know what I mean? It's not there. And, and like, it's so funny in a weirdly like patriarchal way because I still like I, I still earn their respect because I still fuck significantly more women than they do, and then I fuck a million men too. So I still earn that respect from that in a weird way. But at least like straight men seem to be less, arguably enough less um, chiller about it, which is kind of strange. I mean, assuming they're not homophobic or biphobic. Yeah, yeah, obviously if they're that, then no, they're going to be an asshole. But if they're not in generally homophobic, like, huh, okay. That's a little bit of a ramble, but yeah. No, I loved it. I think it's it's interesting to hear even right now. And I, I also live on practice in LA and even in the community like Southern California, people have their own biases around these things and it's interesting around the dynamic of female male relationship because one of the challenges I hear from my clients is that they say that if I come out as bisexual does it invalidate my ex-girlfriend's experiences and they feel shame about that and kind of like feeling that I should justify myself and what would that mean about the women I date so there's just like so many layers to that and I think it's rooted in what you described that like people question if this is a real thing or not and it's interesting we're not questioning heterosexual people's experience like when I say like I'm a cisgender heterosexual woman I don't hear people kind of like asking a follow-up question on that yeah yeah, how, how do you know? How, how do you know? Right, you, know I mean? right. yeah, you, don't, you don't get that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing that for some people gets confusing is a difference between pansexual and bisexual. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So they're kind of different actual definitions, even within the bisexual and pansexual community, which make it confusing, especially when you're not bisexual or pansexual. So there are a couple of different ways to look at it, but some people will say, you know, bisexuality just means you're attracted to multiple genders and pansexuality means you're attracted to all genders. 
Now, I'm I'm attracted to all genders. I'm attracted to non-binary people, trans people, cis people, anywhere in between. If you have a fat ass, I'm I'm attracted. To you. <laughs> so it, so it really doesn't matter to me. But I still claim the word bisexual because I feel like that is a label that's been around for longer. It took me so long struggling with my identity. So when I got this label and I felt like it was me, it was great. But then, so I've heard kind of bisexual and pansexual being the differences of someone who's attracted to gender and someone who's not attracted to gender. So like pansexual people will say like, oh, I I don't, I don't care whether it's, you know, they have male or female parts, whether they have a penis or vagina or breasts. I really just care more about the person and what's inside of them, but their physical genitalia doesn't matter. If they present more masculine or feminine, that doesn't matter because I'm just attracted to the person versus that is not me. I, I'm, I'm attracted. I want big dicks. I want big butts. I want big boobs. Like, you know what I mean? I'm very attracted to genitals. I'm attracted to hourglass figures. I'm attracted to muscular men, whatever it is. I find these, I'm actually attracted to all of it as opposed to, oh, I actually don't care about it. It's like, no, I, I actually like all of it. So people will sometimes make that distinction between bisexual and pansexual. So it's more of kind of, I'm, I'm also trying to learn about uh, like get, getting these things right and not have assumptions so is that more about like you are like attracted to one's quote-unquote air quote soul and kind of like who they are versus a genital and can you how can you separate that is 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 that possible to separate that well i think that's what pansexual people the pansexual people who prescribe to this type of again this is one way of looking at pansexuality versus bisexuality the the more one is all genders versus multiple genders but this specific looking at these two definitions that's not me so i can't necessarily speak to it from a personal experience but i think it's yeah i I think the focus on them is really less is more about the person and less about the the body uh, is is what the claim is made and i feel like sometimes they like pride themselves in not being shallow and they'll like shit on me they're like oh you're shallow because you like i'm like the fuck i'm allowed to like attractive people you know what i mean i'm I'm allowed to like body parts that doesn't make you better than me because i'm not here just trying to soul bond with everyone i'm trying to also fuck Well, I guess me and you both, that I think the whole package, that the kind of like yeah. physical attraction, who they of are, course. all you of know, it. Everything. I, I, you know, I, I want the physical attraction. I want to like their personality. I like all of it. I think it all goes together. Well, I think, and and I'm hesitant even to bring this up because I understand that's not my sexual identity and I don't want to put you in the position of like talking about it so I would have kind of like any reaction to it. But I appreciate that you are talking about these things because when it comes comes to different identities, people are scared to ask, right? They, they say like, we don't want to offend people. And that that feeds this cycle of not being aware and not having information. So I think these, these conversations and asking about it and from the place of curious, being curious can be helpful to open up the doors. What do you think about that? No, of course. It's, you know, there's a way to just ask questions respectfully. And that's what it comes down to. And I hate that we live in a society right now where like, oh, because I'm afraid to say something wrong, I'm not going to learn, I'm not going to educate. Or yeah, you know, it's like, okay, I don't want to necessarily ask a marginalized person about their identity because I don't want them to have to do that additional labor. But then I also want to get it from the source. I don't want to just read about it. I want to hear about their experiences so I really understand it instead of just learning about it from another, say, white person. That doesn't seem right either. So so it is it is challenging to find this. Really, my rule of thumb is like, yeah, when the people come up to me and they're forcing me to judge justify my bisexuality. No, that guy's being an asshole. I don't want to do that. You're coming at me antagonistically. You're coming at me openly. I might say, 
say, hey, you know what? I'm really not in the mood to talk about myself right now. And you respect that and you move on. Like, I, I don't have to get mad because you ask questions. I think I can be like, hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm tired and I, I really don't want to talk about myself. Or if I'm in the mood, I'm more than happy to answer your questions as long, again, as it's coming from a place of, hey, I really want to learn more about this so I'm not fucking up. I, I think it's so important, obviously, to ask questions. And I hate that we live in a world where it's like we're penalized because we're afraid we won't say the right words. Well, I think you brought up another great point that people have the right to want to educate you or not, right? That like, if, if yeah. you are an activist, you want to talk about it, okay, if you're asking respectfully, and the day that things are good. But the fact that people are asking questions doesn't like entitle them to get the answers. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, there are uh, some challenges that I hear from my clients about, okay, if, if at work, they know I'm a bisexual person, that's going to really impact my relationship, how people perceive me. And that's a really big fear for many, many of my clients. Is that the case that you experience with people in the community that if they, when they come out as a bisexual, it impacts their image? Yeah, no, that's a valid fear. And I I understand why people might be freaked out. They might treat you differently. They might assume all these negative stereotypes about you that you're like, sometimes people equate like bisexuality to like moral ambiguity, like you're somehow evil or you're conniving or that's kind of like an evil bisexual stereotype becomes a thing. So they're afraid that you'll be hitting on them or they'll be weirded out by you. So it's valid to say, well, I have negative repercussions at work. Will people not want to work with me just because bisexuality is so misunderstood and stigmatized? It's large part why I literally have a field in which I write about bisexuality so everyone knows, so I don't have to deal with this. You know, if I was a lawyer, if I was a doctor, if I was a doctor and I said I was, I mean, that's why you don't share personal things when you're a doctor or medical professional, but like, if people felt weirded out by me, like that would be really, really difficult. And the the shame is it's it's like I don't have like an answer of being like, oh, so should you remain closeted or should you come out at work? Because I think there is something to be said about like you're allowed to be private. You're allowed to have your private life and you don't have to share that with everyone. That's different than needlessly keeping a secret. It's like these are your work friends or your work people. They don't they're not entitled to anything outside of you after nine to five. But if you feel like you're hiding or you feel uncomfortable, okay, then maybe it is an opportunity to maybe come out to a few close coworkers. But, you know, then you might be the uh, subject of uh, office, not drama, office gossip, and you might not want that. So it really is case by case. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, there's no easy solution to that. And it's tough. Uh, the same, I would imagine, or there's some similarities when you come out as a gay, like kind of someone that's kind of attracted to the same sex. So there's going to be some, depending on your field, some kind of conversation and office gossip or percussion, depending on the field and the community that you're working with. But I always talk to my clients, doesn't mean like exactly what you said, that it's your identity is not valid. Maybe like you don't want to talk about your sex life, even if you're having a quote unquote boring sex life. Like it's it's a matter of how comfortable you are sharing about part of yourself. But of course, it this the kind of having an identity of a sexual minority adds another layer of complication. As far as the kind of like how to navigate this realm, kind of I have clients that they are attracted to to both men and women, they want to start dating men. They want to say, okay, I, I want to find experiences. 
and I'm not comfortable putting the label out there that I'm, I'm bisexual. So where can people go to find possible dates? I guess that's my question. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, apps. Uh, apps are great. And, you know, uh, gay men tend to use apps more than uh, straight people just because there are fewer of us. And there's a way to, you know, connect with other people that way, you know, people who are in your area. And, you know, it's important to know the reputation of the app that you use. Like if you use Grinder or Scruff, that's really catered to more casual sex, which could be exactly what you want. You've never hooked up with a guy. And the idea, I think a lot of bi men, it's like, okay, I just want to fuck. I don't even know if I want to date bi men. I just know I'm sexually attracted to them. So then Grinder is actually a great opportunity for you to have these one-off sexual encounters and try it, see if you like it from there. But if you want to go on dates, you know, there are, you know, Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, those tend to be more catered to dates. And um, yeah, online is definitely the best way to start like dating or sleeping with gay men, you know what I mean? Or other men. I mean, of course, you can go to gay bars, but that I think at the beginning can seem potentially intimidating. Well, the other piece of it is like, is should we tell our partner, like like someone that we want to casually have sex, that we're bisexual? And if we're telling them, at what, what point are telling them? This is challenging. In my personal experience, I like to be upfront about it from the get-go. You get significantly fewer like matches. I know like me with like women, for example, on like stuff like Bumble, when I say I'm bisexual, I get my matches go down by like 95%. Oh, wow. But there is a silver lining. You tend to match with more bisexual women. You know, they see that you're bi, they're more likely to date you, less likely to believe stereotypes. And then you don't have to worry about the people that do swipe right or whatever. You don't have to worry about this anxiety of like, oh shit, when should I tell them? Because you could be on a first or second date. They're talking about your ex and your ex is a person of another gender. So are you going to lie about the gender because you don't want to talk about like, it, again, being bisexual is so embedded in all aspects of your life. You end up feeling like you're lying all the time. So for me, it's easier to do it from the get-go. It's also, I've had too many experiences where I tell someone on the second or third date and then even things are going really well, they don't want to date me afterwards. And I, so I don't do it. Versus there's another theory of thought being like, hey, once this person likes you, you tell them you're bisexual they'll be more open to understanding and learning and they won't dismiss you right away. So it's up to you. But in my experience, it's better to say it sooner than later. It's better to get that rejection up front. You're, there also, again, is that silver lining of meeting other bi guys and meeting other bi women who wouldn't have necessarily said it unless, if, uh, but because you said it first, they now know and feel comfortable. So I recommended saying it sooner than later because otherwise it's just going to be this wait and all of a sudden, fuck, I'm six dates in. This is one of my best friends. He's not like dating this woman for like six months. And I'm like, you need to tell her. Like, and, and he's like, I, I, I am. And he just got so nervous. And it's almost like that point has passed. And now it feels like, shit, I've been lying to her. Fuck, what do I do now? So I personally, I recommend sooner than later. Well, I think that's such a good suggestion. Of course, it's different for one person or another, but I can yeah. imagine that if you you're opening your heart to someone, not like you're falling in love, but we're invested in something. The rejection might feel more personal versus kind of thinking about this is who I am. If you want to swipe right or left, it's on you. Exactly. And we live in this era of, I mean, it depends where you live. Obviously, I live in New York, you're in LA. So there's mm -hmm. a shit ton of people everywhere. If you live in Bumblefuck, Idaho, let's say, and you're like uh, getting so, so few matches because you're listing your bisexual, okay, then consider changing it and telling them later because if you have zero matches, then you can't do it. But if you are in a place and you see you're getting more matches and people are still down to meet up, then yes, absolutely do it sooner. Well, I thought you are my neighbor in LA. I didn't know you were leaving New York. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no no i live in new york now i was born and raised in los angeles i'm a valley boy and i do have a slight valley girl accent if you can catch it uh but no i moved uh i moved to new york when i was 18 for college and then i've been on the east coast for the past 12 years awesome is there a difference between the culture there la southern california and new york when it comes to bisexual kind of dating and all of that I don't know the bisexual community too much in Los Angeles because I don't live there. So so I can't quite speak to it. But from what I have gathered and from when I go home, th- there's just a much, there's a much bigger, like, I don't know if this is true, actually. I really can't speak to Los Angeles. But I, so I'll speak to New York. There's a huge bisexual community here. All my mm-hmm. friends are bi. I should get a shirt that just says all my friends are bi. I like that. <laughs> but... You know, our crew and a lot of it is because we meet because we're all ethically non-monogamous too. And then we meet through kind of kink and play spaces and sex parties. And then you end up with this huge friend group and it's incredible. And it's a rather incestuous friend group. It's a lot of fun. So the one thing that is challenging, and I still haven't, I still don't have an answer for this. It's much harder to meet other bi people and create that bi community and have that bi friendship if you're, if you're monogamous and if you're more vanilla. If that's the case, because so much of my community I've met through sex parties, through ethical non-monogamy for being in this alternative lifestyle. So when you don't have that, you're like, no, I'm just monogamously bisexual. I'm a guy monogamously bisexual with my wife. And I just like to be around other bi people who get it, but I don't want to go to a sex club. I don't want to end up at an orgy all the time, whatever it is. That is more challenging. And I haven't quite found great resources or opportunities for people to find a bi community that extend beyond sex and ethical non-monogamy. So that's something that we need to work on. I really want to start getting more bi clubs, just like not sex clubs, but just like mm-hmm. a bisexual bar, like, mm-hmm. uh, like something like that, I think would be so cool. So if you just go out, drink with some friends, meet other friends and have sex if you want to, but it could also be not sexual at all. Just like a regular bar, right? That's a brilliant idea. And I have a whole list of clients. <laughs> I can send those bars that you're creating. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was thinking about it, uh, just opening a bar and calling it bisexual. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just like, there's no reason, like, this is the bisexual, mm-hmm. or the bisexual bar, something like that. And I just feel like it would be fucking, I mean, be the only one. So everyone would be flocking. So a million dollar idea. And I, <laughs> if you're uh, in the restaurant industry, please do that. Cause I have no idea how to start this place. Well, maybe they can partner with you. Zach, I can oh, talk to you. Oh, partner with me, even better. <laughs> I know how to throw parties. I do throw uh, sex parties, so I can do that. You cannot top that. If you have a restaurant uh, mentality, partner with Zach, it's golden. I I can like feel at least one night per week from that bar. Absolutely. Portland actually does a really good job. Everyone in Portland's bisexual. That, that it's like even the, the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown is bisexual. Oh, I didn't and know she's that. Like, she's open about it. And they have a lot of bi nights at parties and bi events. And I love it. It's awesome. And they're always packed. So a gay bar will have once a week their bi night. And so even that is cool. But Portland does a really good job uh, integrating bisexual spaces in a way that I haven't seen actually any other city in the US do. Awesome. Like I can talk about all these things with you for hours, <laughs> but I know that you probably have like hundred different deadlines with writing and all of these projects that you're involved with. So I bet many of our listeners, they want to get to know your work. If they're not, I know you, you're very well known in the communities, but what are some of the places they can find you? And do you, do you have any books, things that you want to share with us? Yes. So the best way is oh, social media. So my social media is Zachary Zane underscore. There's an underscore at the end. Some punk has Zachary Zane and doesn't even use it. 
But uh, so Zachary Zane underscore that's on Twitter and Instagram. And then through that, you'll kind of see that. But I, again, I, I write this sex and relationship advice column at Men's Health called Sexplain It. I also am under chief of this digital zine called Boy Slut, and that publishes nonfiction erotica. So things mm. that happen to you, but it's not just kind of smut for the sake of smut. There's always like, you learn something about yourself through this, you overcome an obstacle. It speaks to something larger about how we view sex in society. So it's a little bit more than just raunchy, raunchy stuff. And it's a uh, well-written stuff. So check that out. Just Google oh, Boy nice. Slut. I'd see I have the Men's Health, Sex and Relationship book coming out in a few months, which is just called men's sex ever and then finally this is just beforehand my book proposal i've been working on for almost three goddamn years my agent says it's ready to go so we are so that should be bought in the next that'll be like a year and a half before that comes out but just as a personal note i'm very very excited because i've been spending my life on this for the past three years i'm I'm so excited for you i know it's a huge step and congratulations uh, for for the proposal being accepted and we must have you back then Oh my God! And the book please, is, please, uh, please. is launching, uh, and you you will recommend this book to every single one of your bisexual yes. men and bisexual <laughs> women, and anyone ever you're going to recommend it to. Awesome! I think I'm sure it's going to be great resources. I know your writing is so informative and engaging. Thank you so much for doing this conversation this episode with us and all the wonderful work that you do thank you thank you for having me on and i'll talk to you soon all right bye i hope you enjoyed our conversation and i feel i could have chatted with zach for hours he is so passionate about this topic and the information that he shared with us was very authentic and personal and i'm super super grateful that he is doing that because sometimes we talk about things more from a science base or distance way. And I feel that there's a time and place for that. But I think it's wonderful to hear someone's story when they're activists in this area. And that is something that they are part of the community. As you guys probably remember, I was doing this listener survey. Several of you guys complete the survey. I just wanted to make sure that you guys know that our winner is Stefania. I will send her an email to the Amazon gift card we talked about. It was very interesting that like I listed a number of different topics to talk about in future. So this this was the result of the survey. 91% of you guys mentioned that you want us to talk about sexual skills. 73.5% of you said newest studies on human sexualities and 50% wanted sexual dysfunctions conversations. And those were the top three things that you guys want us to talk about. I'm already on sexual skills. In fact, I interviewed, I think so far, 10 different interviews on various sexual skills. So I interviewed amazing sex educators, sex therapists about oral sex, anal sex, pegging, sexual position, threesomes. I'm trying to go through the list in my mind, kissing, sensual massages, how to masturbate, whatever that came to my mind, I found an expert to talk about it with them. We're going to start that series in December. And after I cover whatever sexual skills that comes to my mind, then I transition to talking to researchers about human sexuality and talking about the newest funding finding in this episode. So if you are interested to learn more about sexual skills, 
make sure you're subscribing to the show. Make sure you're following us starting first week of December. We are dropping all of those juicy episodes. Also, if you find the information in this show useful, I really, really appreciate it if you take a moment and write us an honest review wherever you're listening to this show. I personally read every single comment and review, and it helps me to see what are some of the topics and content that resonate with you guys more. And of course, I would love you for taking the time to do that. I can't wait to go on this new journey with you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.